With the 14th, 15th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focused on the game, let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. I am Alex Smith down here in beautiful St. Pete Beach, Florida for the 92nd East-West Shrine Game. We've been on the scene here all week long at practice for both the East and the West. Really a good chance for us to get a first look up close in person at some of these prospects. And just looking at some of these guys, I think there are definitely some players who will fit into NFL rosters in certain situations. And there's some talented kids down here. Of course, in the NFL, there are a number of players who started out at the Shrine game. So to get down here to see some of these guys up close in person has certainly been a treat. We are just about wrapping up our week of coverage down here before we head back to Philadelphia. And I will say that the weather down here in Florida was absolutely perfect all week long. We had high 70s, low 80s weather, absolutely gorgeous. So I am a little saddened to head back to Philadelphia where I hear that it has been cold and rainy all week long. But next week, hey, we have a quick turnaround. We'll be back. We'll be in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl next week. So that should be a a lot of fun. But for right now, And for today's podcast, what we're going to do, it's not going to be the typical podcast that we have in terms of the segments that we'll do, but instead we will have an extended Draft Buzz segment with the one, the only, Tony Pauline of DraftAnalyst.com. I've spent most of the week next to Tony getting his opinion on a lot of these guys, and he is certainly the best in the business in terms of knowing the inside scoop about these prospects and knowing what some of the teams around the league are thinking as well. So that's really going to be the meat of our podcast today, and really let's jump right into it. So again, let's head into Draft Buzz, and this is my interview with Tony Pauline of DraftAnalyst.com. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, our coverage here at the Shrine Game is coming to an end, and for that we bring in Draft Guru Tony Pauline of DraftAnalyst.com, who's been with us all week. So Tony... How many of these Shrine Game appearances have you actually gone to? How many years? Yeah, I think this is probably my eighth or ninth. I started, what happens is Shrine Game started in San Francisco. and was a classic uh, postseason bowl game. Then it kind of fell on hard times. It moved to Texas. It was in San Antonio. moved to Houston. Really didn't gain any ground there. About eight years ago, it moved to Orlando. And it was played in Orlando for about two or three years. And that's when I started going I think it's found its home here in St. Peter. At least I hope it's found its home here. It's a nice place. We have nice weather. Uh, the facilities are good to watch practice. Uh, so hopefully things are looking up for the Shrine game in St. Petersburg, Florida. And every year you like it more and more, right? The experience, the whole thing. Yeah, you know, the thing about the Shrine game is this is the Senior Bowl is turning into more of a media event than it is a scouting event. And when we are at the Senior Bowl next week, you're probably going to have more media people there than you will scouts. And I was at the Senior Bowl. I started going to Senior Bowl in 2000. It was my first year there. I've been to every PADS practice since 2000. And it, back in 2000, it was basically just scouts and a few other people. Mm-hmm. That's the way the Shrine game is now. You know, there's, there's, it's not loaded with the media people except for the local reporters. You know, not every team has all their media uh, departments here, except there for are, Philadelphia Eagles, of, of course. course. But you guys do a great, <laughs> we, you know, do a great job. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of beat reporter, beat writers down here. 
that's going to be different next week at the Senior Bowl. And I think it takes its luster away from it. I mean, you know, the Senior Bowl, the last day of practice is always heavily attended, not last year. I think here the scouts really enjoy it because they don't have to keep answering questions from outside uh, forces or outside sources, and they can just come here and really concentrate on the football. So what can a good week here do for a scout? Obviously a lot goes back to the game tape and what they can do when they're actually lacing it up for real, but can it take a guy from maybe a day three to a day two? Can you really make that jump? Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, we were, I was here and we were covering for PhiladelphiaEagles.com about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And really, from the word go, Jimmy Garoppolo was fantastic. And, you know, he went from basically someone who were, people were interested in at the Shrine game, got invited to the Senior Bowl, and he's going to be one of the hottest commodities in the quarterback market as we move towards the draft, potentially uh, – uh, you know, for trade bait. There have mm-hmm. been some offensive linemen that have moved up draft boards, but absolutely. I mean, and I think we'll, we'll talk about some of the players who I think are fit in that category. Maybe not Jimmy Garoppolo where they're going to be traded for first-round picks, but I think they're going to be guys who can be starters on Sunday. All right, so let's go position by position here and kind of break down some of the guys that we saw this week. Let's start off with the quarterback position, Tony, and you just mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. I think it's fair to say there are no Jimmy Garoppolo-type quarterbacks here this week, maybe not the strongest group of players. Um, Alec Torgerson from Penn was actually one of the guys who had a decent week. Uh, what you see from the quarterbacks group? Yeah, I, I think you're, be, you're being kind when you said it wasn't a good group. I mean, it was outright awful. Uh, I, I mean, uh, Zach Terrell is a good college quarterback, but he's shown that he doesn't, really doesn't belong. He's out of his league. I think that Gunnar Keel has secured that the fact that he won't get drafted. He's not played well the past, uh, uh, with the, you know, during Shrine practices. I think Torgensen has basically piqued Scouts' interest. He was a guy who was not rated by Scouts coming into the year. He's got a big, strong arm. He's flashed some accuracy. He's had some inconsistency problems, but I think he's played better. He's, he's answered a lot of questions. I don't know that he's going to get drafted. But I'm sure a lot of teams are going to show up on his pro day. He's going to get some visits. And if he's not drafted, he'll be signed as a free agent, maybe put on a practice squad. West Lunt of Illinois has also shown some good things. Again, maybe in that late seventh-round area. If not, he signs as a free agent and could make a practice squad. And what exactly are you looking for from the quarterbacks this week? Is decision-making the number one thing you want to see? Decision-making, accuracy, and basically being able to click with receivers who they've never met before. You have to remember, all of these receivers are basically uh, foreign to the quarterbacks. Right. And that, I go back to Garoppolo. That's what Garoppolo did so well when he was here three years ago. Basically, from the word go, it was like second nature with these receivers. His timing, his accuracy, everything was down pat. We've seen a little bit of that from Torgerson. Not a whole lot, lot of it, but, but a little bit of it. We've seen a bit of it from Wes Lunt. But again, you said the decisiveness, the accuracy, obviously the arm strength. Zach Terrell hasn't had it, and times today he was overthrowing the ball to try and get extra steam on it, and uh, the passes were, were going all over the place. But, you know, you want to basically seem like you, it's second nature to you, especially with receivers and tight ends that you've never played with before. All right, Tony, let's move right along to the running back position. I know that Devian Smith, uh, one of a number of Michigan Wolverines that we've seen this week, but he was pretty impressive, especially on the, uh, when we saw him early in the week with the East team. Well-rounded game. I mean, showed some good power on the inside, did, did a solid job in blo- with his blocking assignments in, in the blocking drills, caught the ball very well. I think if there is a criticism of Smith, he doesn't have the perimeter speed. He's not a back that's really going to create yardage. At times he gets a little bit tall, but 
I mean, he's showing those characteristics and features of being a potential uh, feature runner at the next level. And you got to remember, I mean, coming into the season, scouts graded Devion Smith as a top 45 selection. He was the number one rated senior back. I didn't think so. But, you know, you saw him do a lot of different things very well this week. And I think he's back in that cont- into that contention for maybe a middle-round choice. Tony, what about a guy like Eli McGuire from Louisiana Lafayette? Towards the smaller side, right around 5'9". Um, but at times we saw some pretty good things from him this week, especially uh, as a receiver and in pass protection as well. He's going to be an outstanding professional. I mean, I, th- I look at him and the creativity, the quickness, the elusiveness, the ability to make defenders miss, the ability to set, uh, several def- uh, set up several defenders and string several moves up over the course of a single run. And as you mentioned, his pass-catching skills are terrific. I mean, he, not that he just catches the ball. He catches it correctly. He extends his hands. He catches it away from his frame. He makes the reception in stride. He's got a burst. Uh, I mean, he's going to be a very productive pro. May not be a feature runner. But I think if you're looking for a situational ball carrier or a third down back, McGuire has really established himself here. I'm a bit surprised he didn't get a senior bowl invite. Who knows? Maybe he will get a senior bowl invite, or he'll be on that cusp if one of the running backs at the senior bowl are injured. They may slide McGuire in. Yeah, and I think that's the case with a lot of the running backs that we saw this week. More of that change of pace, third down type of back. Don't know if we saw any featured back, but of course time will tell. Let's move on to the wide receivers group. Um, an interesting group. Let's start off with D'Angelo Yancey from Purdue. I know he's a guy you spoke a little bit about this week. I thought he's done well. He's a big body receiver. He's got nice length. He's got nice size. He plays to his size. He's caught everything that's thrown to him. He's done a terrific job blocking through several nights blocks in the scrimmage today. I, I think he's probably going to be a last day pick. He's not really fast. He's not really quick. Needs some work on his, uh, on his route running, but you know, if you're looking for a bigger-bodied possession receiver in the last day of the draft, the guy who could be your number four and your number five, Yancey has shown a lot of, uh, a lot of good traits uh, this week. Catch, very natural catching the ball. I have not seen him drop a pass, and I've been mm-hmm. concentrating on him. So I, I think Yancey has definitely helped himself. How about another big-bodied guy, another fellow Tony here, Tony Stevens from Auburn, listed at 6'4". He had a pretty nice week as well. I mean, Stevens, you've got to break him down, and as I wrote at draft, uh, draftanalyst.com, when I see Stevens in drills, he's the best receiver out there. He's quick. He's got excellent speed. He can beat defenders down the field. He catches the ball well in underneath coverage. He runs good routes. When they start scrimmage, the problem with Stevens is he doesn't seem to like contact. I mean, there was one play today where he just seemed disinterested in going after the ball in the crowd. And I think that's, that's something that scouts are going to have to figure out. Is it just a one-off type of situation, or is that the type of receiver he is? But, you know, as I was tweeting out, at times he, he's definitely looked like the best receiver here at the Shrine game. He has that ability. It may be a, a situation where he just has to apply himself uh, on an every-down basis. How about a couple of guys who kind of fit the mold as potential slot-type receivers at the next level? We saw Austin Carr from Northwestern, and then Drew Morgan, a guy from Arkansas, has had a nice week of practice. Both very quick, both exceptional route runners. Uh, Morgan from, from Arkansas does the little things well, really blocked well in scrimmage. Carr's made some exceptional catches. Uh, Carr basically sells his route, sets the uh, defenders up, and, and they get, gets past them. Neither of these guys are burners. Neither of them are vertical threats, but they're very good underneath receivers who can get separation, run crossing patterns, make the, uh, make the catches in stride. Pick up yardage after the catch. Like you said, slot receiver you're looking for in that last day, even in those late rounds. And I think both of those guys 
will get the opportunity to double as return specialists in camp this summer. All right, let's, uh, and in, let's take a look at an interesting case here in Billy Brown, and this kind of segues us into the tight end group because Billy Brown out of Shepard is a big-bodied guy. He's listed as a wide receiver, but, Tony, I know you view him as a tight end. I've always viewed him as a tight end, and I think uh, what I've seen the past three days at Shrine Game Practices has really established that. I mean, he's a big-bodied pass catcher. He's a solid pass catcher. He's had a few drops, a few lapses in concentration, but for the most part, he's caught the ball well. What he doesn't have is quickness. He doesn't have speed. Uh, I, I think that if you line him up out in the flanks, he's, he's, he's going to struggle against separation. He's going to struggle against defensive backs. And, you know, the defensive backs now, the cornerbacks are now over six foot. So mm-hmm. it's not a situation where he's going to be able to mismatch uh, over those cornerbacks. Uh, just the lack of quickness and speed, inability to get down the field. He was a tremendous college receiver. If you watch him at college, you watch him at Shepard, and I watched a lot of film on him the past two years, you know, he made a lot of receptions. He comes away with the contested ball, has a lot of natural receiving skills. I'm just very concerned about his ability to separate uh, at the next level, and I really feel he'd be best as potentially a move tight end. Sticking at the tight end spot, uh, one of the guys who really shined this week, that's Eric Saubert out of Drake, another small school guy, but he played really big this week. Really has been dominant. Reminds me of a kid about uh, 12 years ago by the name of Eric Mansfield out of Northeastern who was a highly rated guy, came up with a medical problem at the combine and had to retire. But Drake is, I mean, really from the word go, from the start, I mean, he quickly releases off the line of scrimmage. He uses his hands to separate from defenders. He's caught Everything thrown in his direction. He's a better-than-average route runner. He's got good speed. I can't wait to see him run at the Combine. What his 40 time is going to be was estimated at 4.7 prior to the season at Hmm. almost 250 pounds. He plays to that speed. He gets separation down the field. He creates mismatches in the secondary. Has shown himself to be a good red zone target. I mean, Solbert is one of those guys who I think, like Jimmy Garoppolo we spoke about, has really come here and really enhanced his draft stock. Now, when you talk about the blocking, I can't really talk about that because they haven't used him as much as a blocker here. They mm. haven't used him in line as a blocker. When they put him on the line of scrimmage, he's releasing off in the pass routes. Oftentimes, they've had him lined up in the slot as a slot receiver. So I can't really sit here and talk about his blocking because we really, he really hasn't been used in that capacity yet. Right. So I was able actually able to catch up with him after one of the practices, and he did speak about – wanting to be more of a complete player and to work on his blocking here in the draft process. So we'll see how that turns out. All right, Tony, let's move up into the trenches here on the offensive side of the ball, uh, looking at some of the offensive linemen we've seen this week. What about Adam Pankey, kind of an interior guy out of West Virginia? Mean, nasty guy. He's got good size. All three days of practice, I, I mean, he was just dominating opponents, and he was loving it. You can tell he's, he's an offensive lineman who likes physical contact. He blocked with a nasty attitude. You know, really did a solid job for himself. Entered the uh, entered the season basically with a street free agent uh, grade from scouts, a type of grade that they didn't even expect him to make it out of May Invitational Camp. But I think what he's shown here of the past couple of days, uh, he could slide into the late rounds in, and in specific systems, a conventional uh, offensive system where he's not asked to cover a lot of area, uh, he can be a player at the next level. All right, let's move to a couple of Michigan Wolverines here on the offensive line. One more of an interior player, one on the outside. Tony, what do you like about Eric Magnuson, the tackle, and then Kyle Calais, the interior player? Yeah, Calais has done very well here. I mean, everyone's uh, talked about him. He's got good size. He's got good fundamentals. Doesn't cover a lot of area. 
Um, but I think in specific systems, he's shown throughout his college career as well as here during Shrine Week that, that he can be a player at the next level. He's not, probably not going to be a, a, a late anything other than a, a late-round pick, but in the right system, he can start the next level, as can Eric Magnuson, who surprisingly wasn't even rated by scouts coming into the year, even though the fact that he's been a three-year starter. He was a left tackle at Michigan. I think he's more of a right side player or basically an interior guard, but he gets the most from his ability. He's strong at the point. He plays smart football, as most Jim Harbaugh offensive linemen do. And, again, he's, he's, it's just been a continuation for Magnuson of what was a solid uh, college career here at the Shrine Game. And I think uh, scouts are definitely going to look at him uh, or teams are going to look at him starting late in round six. Tony, let's f- switch over to the defensive side of the ball, and we'll start with the position of strength in this group, and that's the defensive line. Uh, I know a guy like Trey Hendrickson from Florida Atlantic. We were watching him at the East practices today. He's been a guy who's been very disruptive in a, a decent group of edge rushers here. Yeah, I, I mean, Trey Hendrickson, as I, as I tweeted out, I mean, he, the guy's just a worry. He just goes and goes and goes. The problem or the question about Trey Hendrickson is, is he a defensive end and a four-man front, or mm-hmm. is he an outside linebacker in a 3-4? I'm told that he, uh, he's weighing about under 260 pounds in a 255-pound range. He expects to run in the four sixes at the combine. When I spoke uh, with him, he's telling me that they're inviting him as a defensive lineman, but they've already told him he's going to do linebacker drills. Mm-hmm. You know, he's one of those guys I think can be a designated pass rusher. Uh, sort of a special teams player at the next level. He's a good guy to have on the field. He's one of those guys that goes very hard. I, I think where he ends up in the draft will be dictated by how fast he runs at the combine, but he's a good player who goes hard, and, you know, those guys are good to have in the locker room. What about a guy like Brian Cox out of Florida? He seems to be an interesting case where when you look at him, he has the size, and he looks, he looks like he kind of fits the part. Um, what did you see from him here this week, and what have you seen on tape? Yeah, I mean, he has flashed rare athleticism uh, at times this year. Now, you go – Cox came into the, uh, into the season as a senior uh, – stamped as a middle-round uh, draft pick by scouts, but he really doesn't play up to that uh, – to his level of ability on an every-down basis, which is a problem. And we've seen that here during Shrine practices at times – you know, he looks like a man amongst boys. You're wondering why he's even here because he's so dominant. And then he disappears for stretches. He has the size. He has the athleticism. He obviously has the bloodlines mm-hmm. uh, with his dad, who's such a terrific pro for so many years. It's just a matter of he has to apply that ability on an every-down basis. Uh, just looking at a couple of other defensive ends here. Uh, what about Darius English out of South Carolina? Seems like a guy who could kind of fit into this scheme that the Eagles are running under Jim Schwartz as kind of that outside rusher. Uh, what do you like about Darius English? Yeah, one gap. You look at Darius English, he looks more like a power forward than he does a defensive end. He's long and he's thin, but he's also very athletic. He's fast off the edge. If you're looking for a one-gap type of defensive end, a guy who can get up the field and create a lot of havoc, that's Darius English. Obviously, he's got to get a little bit bigger. He's got to physically mature, add some strength to his body. But again, I mean, English is a guy who I stamp right now as a potential fifth-round choice. He was not even graded by scouts coming into the year. So the fact that he's here and that people are talking about him in the later rounds of the draft is just a victory for him. Tony, I'm curious what your take is on Iwan Price out of Pittsburgh because he's kind of on the smaller size at 5'11", but we have seen some smaller players in the league, guys like Elvis Elvis Doomerville, who have kind of made that adjustment to the NFL. Could Price be another guy who fits that mold? 
I mean, as a situational player, he's a guy who is small. He goes very hard. He gets the most from his ability. He has limited upside both on the field and as far as his growth potential. I mean, he's someone who Price could be a designated pass rusher but's going to have to earn his wage at the next level on special teams. All right, let's move back to the linebackers group. A couple of interesting names here, Tony. What about Jimmy Gilbert out of Colorado? During the Tuesday's practice, Gilbert was basically used uh, almost solely as a 4-3 outside linebacker, and he did well. First of all, I mean, he was a disruptive force this year at Colorado, made a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage as a pass rusher. Uh, that's one thing I like about the Shrine game as opposed to uh, the Senior Bowl. I mean, they move guys around, and we're seeing Gilbert, who played uh, at about 212 pounds during the season, weighed in at 223 pounds, play at his next level uh, spot uh, where he's going to be on Sunday, so the outside linebacker position. I thought he did well. I mean, he's athletic. He's fast. He's not just an up-the-field guy. He showed a good change of direction. He made a, cu- a couple of nice plays in pursuit uh, basically chasing the action laterally and getting to the ball carrier. Uh, a couple times when they asked him to drop in the pass coverage, he was a little stiff and looked a little unsure of himself, but he knows he has to work on it. I got to speak with him the past two days. He's a very intelligent, articulate. He's a bright kid. He's well-spoken, uh, and he knows what he wants to do, and he wants to do it. He wants to get better. I spoke with him after practice on Tuesday, tell him he's got to work on his back pedal. He says he knows, and he's looking forward to the challenge. One of Gilbert's teammates on that West squad, when you're looking at the linebacker group, Paul McGlure Jr. out of Arizona. Yeah, well, actually, Arizona, one of his conference, not his teammates, one of his conference uh, players. Uh, McGlure has, has been terrific. I mean, he's probably been the best overall complete linebacker that I've seen at the Shrine game. He's athletic. He's quick. He covers a lot of area on the field. Gives effort defending the run. Gets excellent depth on pass drops. I mean, a lot of these linebackers struggle making plays with the back, their back to the ball, and that Magliar, a little bit undersized, more of a one-gap type of defender, but still, I think someone who could be your nickel linebacker on Sundays and play special teams, he's a guy who's really come here and helped himself. And then one last linebacker when we look over at the East squad, James Onwalu, who's a guy out of Notre Dame, one of the bigger schools, obviously, to, to participate in this event. What you see from him this week? Starting, to, He put it together as, as the week went on. He's very athletic. His athleticism stands out. He looks the part. He plays to it. He, again, he's not just a two-down guy. He's someone who made a lot of plays in space. They lined him up over the tight end in the slot. He did a good job. I, I think it's just a matter where the mental aspect of the game has got to catch up with his physical skills, but you can see there are a lot of tools there to work with. All right, let's move back now into the defensive secondary. And, of course, the cornerback wide receiver one-on-ones are something that's always fun to watch. So, Tony, let's talk about the cornerback group just for a little bit here. I mentioned earlier there's a lot of Michigan players, particularly in the secondary. What about a guy like Channing Stribling as a corner? Uh, Saw him up and down a little bit this week here at practice. You know, one of my favorite players on the field, he's a terrific football player. He's just not a good athlete. The problem with him is speed or lack thereof. He just doesn't have it. And he's getting beat down the field. I I like his overall skills, but I think he's a bit limited in the sense that you're going to have to put him in a situation where he's facing the action, maybe bump and run, but you're going to have to give him protection down the field because he just can't run with opponents. But still, I I mean, he does the little things well, and and he's shown himself to be a good football player. And what about a guy from uh, Temple University? Of course, we'll give a little shout-out here to Fran Duffy. Nate Harrison, listed at six foot. Had a decent week this week as well. Yeah, he competes. I mean, he fights hard. He's a guy who wasn't rated coming into the year by uh, scouts, but you can see he's feisty. He he knows what's going on, needs a little bit of work on his uh, his technique, 
but he's always around the ball. And when he's not making the play, he's almost making the play. So that's something that, you know, maybe you could use him as a, a dime back special teams player. Maybe he's your ninth defensive back. Worst case scenario, I think Hairston's a special a uh, practice squad player. All right, let's move to the safety position now, the last group that we're going to look at here, Tony. And again, let's go back to a couple of Michigan guys here that we saw, Lano Hill in, uh, at the safety position and DeMonte Thomas. What do you like about both of those two guys? Hill was very good, especially on Tuesday. I mean, he was constantly around the action. He's, you can tell with the Michigan guys, they're not the greatest athletes, but they've got excellent instincts. They've got excellent awareness, and that's what Hill did. I mean, he was very efficient, took good angles to the play, uh, made a lot of plays against the pass as well as the run. Not the most athletic guy, but someone who just doesn't have breakdowns, doesn't make mental mistakes on the field, and really that's something that you can't put a price on. As far as, uh, as, far as Thomas is concerned, he's uh, limited athletically. He doesn't, have, he doesn't have the greatest size. He's made plays well in a straight line. I think when I look at him, when I've watched him in practice, I think he's somebody that is either a traditional strong safety or he's going to have to be placed in a zone-type system where you're asking him to play downhill and not cover a lot of area. All right, Tony, great stuff. So just a couple other questions for you here before we let you go. Um, overall this week, guys that stood out to you the most, guys who we may have talked about already or guys that we haven't talked about, who kind of really caught your eye this week? Obviously, Eric Sobert. I yeah. mean, he's a guy coming into the, uh, into the season was graded as a seventh-round pick by scouts. I had him as a sixth-rounder. I could see him, if he goes to the combine and runs well, improving himself to the fourth, maybe the third round. It is a pretty good tight end class thanks to the uh, – thanks to the underclassmen uh, who entered, as well as O.J. Howard at the top. But I think that Sober definitely helped himself. You know, scouts are going to question his blocking, but you know what? This is the day and age of 250-pound tight ends that can get down the field, make plays uh, in the passing game, create those mismatches, and, sh- and Sober has shown himself uh, really every day of practice. He mm-hmm. just got better and better uh, doing that. One guy we really didn't talk about who I, I was – have been very impressed with is Sam Tevy, the offensive tackle from Utah. He's a big guy. He showed incredible athleticism, much better than anybody thought. Uh, again, came into the season re- basically ranked as undrafted by scouts. I gave him a six-round pick. Tevy has probably helped himself and moved uh, into that uh, fifth-round area. Hmm. Six foot five, over three hundred pounds, has got growth potential. And someone uh, linebacker we mentioned, Magliar of uh, of Arizona State who, again, I think has shown himself to be a complete three-down player. If he's drafted, it's going to probably be in the later rounds, but still you're looking at a nickel, or di- a nickel linebacker who can play special teams, and he's got that special teams mentality. So those three guys, I, I think, uh, gave a lot more uh, than what I expected when I arrived in St. Pete early Monday morning. And, Tony, how about were there any guys who maybe you were really looking forward to watching and didn't quite live up to what you had hoped uh, – here this week? I think Kermit Whitfield of uh, Florida State, I thought maybe he, uh, he could be a late-round pick and, re- and be used as a slot receiver return specialist, has not caught the ball well. He's short. He can't basically get up and get the passes that are over his head. Uh, I think he has struggled a lot. Obviously, the quarterbacks, I was hoping to get more from Gunnar Keel, uh, who uh, we spoke about, but I don't think he's going to be drafted at all. And Jason Carr out of West Georgia, you know, as we talked about, this is a place where small school guys can really come and shine like Sobert did. I mean, Jason Carr, you look at him, he looks the part. Six foot five and change, over 300 pounds, just looks like a monster. 
But as I coined the phrase years ago with a player by the name of Kenyon Coleman when he came out of UCLA, I mean, Carr looks like Tarzan and plays like Jane because he's just getting handled at the point of attack by smaller, lesser offensive linemen every day this week. The tools are there, but I don't know that the fire is. All right, Tony, excellent stuff. Well, thank you for all your help this week here at the Shrine Game, and I know you're ready to go to Mobile, Alabama next week. Uh, absolutely. I just hope the weather's as nice as we've experienced the past couple of days here at St. Pete. It's certainly been nice down here, but Tony, again, thank you very much for your time. All right, well, as you can hear, Tony certainly knows his stuff. Excellent work from Tony Pauline, and we will see him next week in Mobile, Alabama at the Senior Bowl, and we hope that all of you will be back to listen to next week's podcast. We will do a preview podcast at the beginning of next week, and then we will do a recap podcast at the end of the practice week. Same format as we did here with the Shrine Game. We'll do that again in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Fran Duffy will be with me, uh, and it should be a ton of fun. Really, really looking forward to seeing some of the top prospects in the game. Of course, last year, Carson Wentz was at the Senior Bowl. Jalen Mills was at the, at the Senior Bowl. Uh, some other really key rookies from around the league, guys like Dak Prescott, he was a Senior Bowl player as well. So it should be a ton of fun to get down there, uh, and I really can't wait. And I hope that you listen to all of our podcasts, starting with the preview early next week and then with the Senior Bowl recap at the end. But I think that'll wrap things up for our Shrine Game Recap Edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. I'm Alex Smith. Thank you all for listening.